Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis. Unfortunately, not joining me this week is Brenna Calvert. Uh, she could not be here tonight. I know we've taken the last couple weeks off. Things have got busy with uh, race season coming up. Uh, Brenna's busy on build crew. I've been busy doing some high-volume training weeks, so just haven't had the time to sit down and do a podcast. Uh, we're back this week, though, and joining me is Miles Keller. You may know Miles Keller as the co-host of the Lincoln Endurance Podcast. If you don't listen to that podcast, I would definitely check it out. OCR-focused podcast. got some great information. He also finished uh, third at Terrain Race this past weekend and will soon be my teammate at uh, Terrain Race Relay 24 in Phoenix. So, Miles, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Not Miles, it's Fat Albert. <laughs> How's it going, man? Thank you for having me on, brother. Yeah. So, so Brenna, I see how it is. I see how it is. Don't be here when I'm here, okay? Yeah, well, that's... Brenna, can only, we're actually recording two episodes this week since we were kind of behind, and uh, I kind of chose for Brenna which one she'd be on, so... I guess you can point fingers at me. So no, she's awesome, dude. I, lo- I love both of you guys, man. Appreciate it. Passionate OCR athletes. I could talk to you guys all day long. Yeah, so we actually... We're, we've actually, me and Miles have actually been talking for about 15 minutes already uh, without recording. Um, we're just running our mouths about OCR, so we figured we should probably actually start recording because uh, some good information on there. Um, anyway, like, let's, talk, uh, let's talk about uh, Link Endurance. So how did you get started with the Link Endurance podcast? And kind of take us a little bit through that. So Link Endurance is pretty cool, man. It's here in Dallas, Texas, and what happened was I heard about this, OCR workout class uh, that we first started up at a place called Oak Fit in Dallas, and I, I went. I went to it, and we we haven't had an official OCR class or clinic in the DFW area that I know of, besides the Nortex OCR race simulation that JB Gerhardt would be putting on. That was a little far away for me. The Metroplex is a pretty huge area, but so I happened to come to this one. And I loved it, man. He had a bunch of obstacles set up. And it's like, and any time you can practice a race simulation with the running, with the obstacles, back and forth, it is the closest thing you're going to get to actually doing the race. Because a lot of us, when we train, you think about, you know, you go to the gym, you'll do exercises to mimic certain obstacles. Maybe you do some intervals on the treadmill. But it doesn't simulate the the race as well as uh, like one of these OCR clinics came on. Well, anyways, I did this I did this for a couple months and I started writing race reviews for OCRaddict.com, kind of like you do for Mud Run Guide, Evan. Which, by the way, you do some great write ups, man. I love your writing. Keep it up. Appreciate it. And uh, so we and, and I said, well, you know what, man? While I'm doing these race reviews, I I really enjoy the writing as well. I want to do a podcast because I was, I'm a huge podcast fan. I listen to all – that's literally all I listen to is podcasts. And I said, I, you know, I want to start. I hit up the guys at OCRaddict.com. They weren't for sure. 
and I brought on Mo because he knew he already had a podcast. He, he called the Eat Real and Move podcast, and so me and him started. Uh, we started recording. So look, let's do some test podcasts. And yeah, I've known a lot of other athletes in the sport. I'm fortunate enough to met with them. And the cool thing about this, the OCR community, is how loving and how warm and close everyone is. Uh, they're they're more than willing to come do interviews. And uh, I I wanted to interview people in a different way. I really wanted to get to know their heart and their drive. There's a lot of great podcasts out there that will talk to you. Like, you know, hey, what's your favorite obstacle? And what do you think of that race over there? But I want to get to know, hey, man, what what have you sacrificed? What drives you? What's your why? Because you see all this great sacrifice a lot of these athletes put in. And so me and me and Mo started recording this podcast, and and the OCR addict was kind of dragging was kind of dragging their feet on it whether they want to okay it or not. And they're awesome people. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to say anything bad about them. But we said, look, let's just go out and we're gonna start doing this on our own. And about that time, Mo, uh, Coach Mo was starting up Link Endurance, and that's his own training service. The guy he's been training people for 20 plus years. He has all these degrees. And he's kind of, he took me under his wing. He saw that I really help. I, oh, I really enjoyed helping people. And I was, I seemed to be good in assisting people in obstacles and things like that. So he's taking me under his wing and kind of teach me how to coach. And I learned that I kind of have a passion for coaching as well. So started going from personal training certification and pursuing goals like that while doing my own training. And now we've just kind of, grown and grown in the Metroplex and we're putting on uh, fantastic OCR classes over at Obstacle Warriors in Dallas, Texas, which is a ninja gym. And we, so we have, we can simulate a huge variety of all these obstacles. And then we also have a special race simulation at our first ever North, North Texas permanent course at the DFW Venture Park where we have a bunch of obstacles set up and we're continually adding on to that. And so that's a big deal for us, man. You, anytime you can get out on the trails with the obstacles and train, there's just nothing like it. Uh, it's a great way to train those anaerobic pathways. So it's just been it's been growing, man. And you notice with anything in life, if you're certain, if you're passionate about something, the way I love this sport and the people in the sport, so many opportunities come to you. And that's what has happened with me and Link Endurance. So I've just been co-hosting Link Endurance podcast and. Yeah, please check it out, man. Currently, we're uh, we're interviewing athletes from around the world. Uh, we've been we usually just interview uh, some of the greatest American athletes, but I I really got curious and wanted to see what OCR is like in other countries. So recently, we interviewed South Africa, Canada, UK had to reschedule, but we'll be doing Sweden next week and Denmark after that. So it's really interesting to see the different ways that OCR is operating throughout the throughout the world, you know what I mean? Maybe there's different ideas we can bring into here in the States. Yeah, I think that's uh, great. I know you just had an episode with a South African athlete, uh, Thomas Von Thunder or something like that. Yeah. I yes. pronounce his name. Yeah, uh, Yeah, definitely. I enjoyed that. I like hearing about the uh, races from the other side of the pond. And um, I was actually, what's funny was when we were at OCRWC, I had talked to a couple of the South African guys, and I was like, hey, why don't you reach out to me? I'll do like a basically an article interview of you guys, because I, you know, when you go to OCRWC, like, I know John Albin, and I know, I know, you know the Americans, you know the Canadians, and then you know, like, one or two big names from Europe, and really that's it, 
Um, yeah. At least, at least for me personally. So I no, think no, spot on. I think getting to know a lot of these other athletes from uh, the other side of the world is cool, and it kind of brings that community even closer. Uh, because I mean, you, you know, you were at OCR to WC. It's like a love fest there. Like, I mean, um, it's special, dude. I I love it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many people are as crazy as you and me, Evan, but you know, in our in our daily jobs, it, well, here's the thing: if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably just like us. You're probably really passionate about OCR, and there's not a lot of people like us. Like when you go to your day job, nobody knows what the acronym OCR stands for or right. what Spartan Racer is in there. Like, oh, you do one of them. You do one of them tough mutter things. Is that is that what you do, or what kind of race? Do you? I've told people many many times in passing. Oh yeah, I'm doing this obstacle course race this weekend. And they totally forget. So when you get around other OCR athletes like you and me right now, man, I'm on level ten. I have <laughs> so much to talk to and tell you about, and ideas and theories. You know, it's just coming out of the heart, left and right, man. So and that's how it is in OCR World Championships. If you guys out there listening to this haven't been to OCR World Championships, it is a special place. Not yeah. you always see the same people at the races and our local races, right? You know who's who's really big into OCR and passionate about it. But now wait till you meet these people from different countries, and they're just as sweet and loving as us Americans. And they'll embrace you. And, oh man, you learn all about their races, and they're so interesting to, to talk to you and just learn about their culture and diversity, man. You'll get a different perspective on the whole world just by talking to these people. So please make it out to one of those. Uh, I guess the only comparable ones is Spartan World Championships, or a lot of people swear by, and you've been to this, you're, you're a vet of uh, World's Toughest Mudder, which I haven't experienced yet, Evan. But people say that is a special environment, special people as well. What, what, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're different. So I think uh, World's Toughest Mudder has more percentage of Americans than OCRWC. So this past year, OCRWC had, I think, 42 countries at it. And wow. the year before, it was like 23, and the year before, it was 12. So they've had a fair... They've been, like, increasing exponentially uh, for the last couple of years. And World's Toughest Mudder, also, you get a decent amount of uh, people from overseas. But mostly Americans. Um, it's a lot of... Because World's Toughest Mudder is so long... You know, there's time to help other people on the course. So you'll see the biggest, you'll see Ryan Atkins, Jonathan Albin, like reaching back to pull people up over Everest, even though they're trying to win $100,000, which is like preposterous, right? Or the Blockness yeah. Monster, right? Yeah, like I was on Blockness Monster in uh, 2015, and they like reached back to like help me, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, go. Like, I want <laughs> you to win $100,000. Like, Get away from me. Like, why aren't you running faster? You're all um, trying to push them off, and they're trying to grab you. <laughs> yeah. You guys are playing slap fight in the middle of Blackness Monster. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and then the, the – but, like, World's Toughest Mudder, because it's 24 hours, like, I mean, it just it just decimates you, right? So, like, yeah, I can barely walk the next day. Um, I think I – like, the day after uh, – so I finished the race, went back to my hotel room, laid down – Got up to take a piss like an hour later, almost blacked out on the way to the bathroom. Like, I don't know oh, what was wrong with yeah. me. Like, I started sweating profusely. I got lightheaded. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to black out. I'm going to hit my head on the toilet. Someone's going to find me. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to be naked in, like, a pool of blood. <laughs> um, 
So I finished peeing and, like, rushed back to the bed to lay down, and that happened once more time. Uh, but, yeah, it, like, it just destroys your body versus OCRWC. You know, you race for, let's say, two hours or three hours, whatever it is, and then you're free the rest of the day. And I think Adrian absolutely crushed it this year with, you know, picking that location. It was like an Olympic village, you know. It felt exactly like it. You know, Evan, one of the things I love about you, man, is you're really humble. You're an extremely humble guy, so I'm going to brag for you. For those of you who don't know, he didn't he didn't mention how far he went in twenty in the world's toughest mutter. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you did eighty miles, is that correct? I did ninety. You did ninety miles. Son of a gun. Wow. Can you people out there listening to that, can you fathom that? it's not just ninety miles. Ninety miles with a gazillion obstacles. Yeah, it's like three hundred ish or something. Yeah, yeah. So. You're a beast. Congratulations. That's oh, thank 10 you. miles away from the 100. How does that hit you, man? You were 10 miles away from 100. So, my, I mean, my previous PR was 75 miles. So, um, I was, the course was just, you know, suited for speed this year. Uh, there was very little swimming. So, with little swimming, you can run faster, right? Because you don't have to stop. Uh, and the obstacles were yeah. a little, they took less time. So, like, you know, uh, Double rainbow, the two kind of pendulum things, you could fly through that as long as you didn't fall in the water. Um, so I basically, I went to 24 hours, and I think I failed two obstacles. It was the stupid grappler. Because you, like, throw a ball up the side of a hill and kind of climb up it. You see, so. I, I never got to see that obstacle. When I watched the video of when they, uh, when they put it on CBS or whatnot, I, I couldn't see it. It just looked like they're throwing something, like a hook. Up on top. What? What? How exactly did that obstacle work? Was it so a post, and then you got to climb the rope up over a ledge, or? Yeah, so it was a ball with a rope, and basically you throw the ball up, it falls into this little like, you know, V-shaped thing, and kind of locks in, and then you climb oh, up it. Okay. Uh, so you could. What was nice was if someone threw the ball up, and like before they got up the rope, if you could grab grab the rope, then they would just let you piggyback off them essentially, so you didn't have to throw the ball. But there was a couple times during the night where they're like, "All right, now everyone has to throw the ball," and that's when I failed. So there's there's a reason I do repetitive motion sports like running and you know obstacle course racing because I'm not like the whole hand-eye ball coordination is not me. Like baseball, no. You know, football, no. So no, I'm 100% with you, dude. I'm the. Uh, it's so funny they make the, the jokes about white guys playing basketball, but I'm that white guy. <laughs> I like, I'm decent in defense, but I've never been good at a lot of the other. Okay, at football, I guess, but no, I'm with you, man. Some people, when a lot of the people that are really passionate and get good at obstacle course racing, is because you find you have a niche. They're faster than I saw this on a T-shirt once, man, and the guy's gonna get some printed. This is a great saying: faster than the weightlifters, stronger than the runners. Yeah, no, that's some that's. That's absolutely true. I mean, that's how I found the sport. I mean, you know, I I go to running races and you know, people with twig arms and like no upper bodies are smoking me, right? Right. And then I go to you know strength competitions and you know these guys can't even run around the block. So yeah, yeah. No, we we have a nice little niche, man. That's the thing I love about Conquer the Gauntlet. I know you're on the pro team, and this is a very uh, Conquer the Gauntlet centric podcast, which that's my focus this year. That's my favorite race series. Love Conquer the Gauntlet, but they have the most difficult. Uh, they have the most difficult obstacles. I feel like they filled in where Battle Frog was before, 
and so it's attracted some of the guys who aren't maybe as the fa- as the fastest, but also have a, a great deal of grip and upper strength, and that plays to a lot of my strengths. And I just uh, love that series, man. And it's yeah. interesting how you, you're starting to see a little bit of a separation of the OCR athletes as the sport grows. You're finding people find their niches like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I don't have I don't have an interest in chasing supers and beasts or the the 15k stuff. I'm just going to focus. I realize I'm most successful in short courses, and I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the shorter courses. Nice. I, I know I say that, and then you and me are doing the, the 24-hour terrain relay this weekend. But you know, that's hey, we got we got large breaks in between our runs, so not the same thing. That is true. Uh, so I actually just did a Ragnar relay in Tennessee this past weekend. Yeah, I saw that man on Facebook, dude. Tell us all about that. So it's a 194-mile relay. Uh, you can enter either as a 10 to 12-person team, or you can enter as a four to six-person team. Uh, the team I was on was 11 people. Basically, someone dropped out uh, on Wednesday before the race, and one of my friends was like, hey, do you want to run this weekend? And I was like, eh. And she's like, it's free. I was like, I'm in. So. <laughs> so, so, so I showed up, and I did, uh, like, two of my legs were, like, one was, like, 8.4 miles, one was 8.2, and the other one was 3.4. But yeah, uh faster. Every single time you ran, it got faster and faster. Super impressive, man. So, what? Uh, for those of you who've never done one, like, what the coolest part is, at least for uh, it combines to me like the best and worst parts of like distance and speed running, right? So, like, you know, I ran like a total of like 20 miles over the course of 24 hours, uh, but because they're broken up in small chunks, like you, you'll go in there and you'll push the pace. So I was running very, very hard. Uh, three times in 24 hours, and uh, on Sunday I felt like I got hit by a truck. Like I was exhausted. Yeah, I bet, man. And this is a trail race too. For those of you who are not familiar with Ragnar, it's a trail race. So this was actually this was a road one. So they do Ragnar Trail and they do Ragnar like regular. So this was oh, actually a road. Okay, I'm sorry, I did not know that. All right. Yeah, but it, anyway, uh, for those of you who are looking for something different, or it's definitely a ton of fun. You know, you have like we had two six person, we had two vans basically, and you know, one of them does a section of the relay while the other one drives ahead and, you know, grabs some food and then kind of meets at, like, the big exchange point and then uh, so forth. So the legs are broken up there. What are you wearing, Evan? Say again? What's your running shoes, your choice of running shoes, road? Uh, so my choice of running shoes is actually Under Armour Speedform. They're very lightweight, um, kind of minimalist-type uh, shoes. I think they're, like, six and a half ounces each. So... Is it a neutral shoe, zero drop? Uh, not. I think it's like a five or six millimeter drop, so not okay. quite zero, but uh, okay. on the lower side. Um, I uh, I'll give them a try if you swear by them, man. I I, I like the gel Nemesis, the Adidas. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of those. Those seems to be doing me well. But I'm using the Miguel Medina turned me on to the the ultra uh, the ultra superiors. It's a cheap shoe. It's a zero drop. Of course, I'm trying to make the transition to the midfoot strike. I'm not sure how you feel about it. You hear about me, how you feel about the running form, too, by the way. But uh, I've always been a bad heel striker, and so I'm trying to make that conversion and find that the zero drop shoe, the ultras, they seem to do pretty well. And plus, you can actually kind of run on trails with them. Uh, a decent, decent shoe I would recommend. 
Yeah. So I, I so the the Under Armour Speed Form I like because there's so interesting. I actually use them for World's Toughest Mudder because there's like nothing to the shoe. It's it's got no insole. It's got um like the actual fabric is very thin, so like it, it doesn't absorb water, so it doesn't weigh more. So when my feet get wet, a World Toughest Mudder it doesn't weigh anything extra. It's just like it's like wearing dry shoes, um, pretty like much. Beat up the, the your your uh, planter fasciitis though. Yeah, so I mean, there's a tra- there's a trade off, right? So like, I'm running in a shoe that's significantly less cushioned because it's, but it's significantly lighter. So am I going to do more damage because I have less cushioning, or am I going to save energy because I'm lifting less weight with every step? So you know, it's uh, you got to weigh your risks, and I I choose to go with the lighter shoe, and you know, maybe impart more stress from the actual pounding with less cushioning. Hey man, some people's uh, some people's feet are built like rocks. And then I built like mine, you know. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome, man. If you swear by them, I'd give them a shot. Uh, and I'm actually not a big fan of most of Under Armour shoes, but these, I think they are. They're for me like their archers are too high on most of them. But for these, I don't know. They're just, I love these. This pair. I actually bought like a whole bunch, and they're just like stacked, stacked up in my closet that I just rotate through because I think they discontinued some of that line. How they how they grip? They're not considered a trail shoe, right? No, terrible terrible traction, right? Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely terrible traction. But like, let's t- let's take a look at world's toughest mudder, right? It's it's like dusty trail. You don't need you don't need like insane lugs. You don't need ice bugs for world's toughest mudder. You you don't. Um, I think people people get used to running in ice bugs because they're awesome for like super muddy terrain, and then they just Oh well, this is another OCR, so I need to wear that type of shoe, and uh, you don't like you can. Like I said, I, I mean, I wear road shoes for all of World's Toughest Mudder, you know. And Fair I find- it's all mud mounds. It's basically like on a track, right? It's not like it, it's not trails out there at World's Toughest Mudder. It's like uh, it's dusty. It's like dusty. It's not quite sand, but it's you know hard packed dust. Yeah, hard packed. I gotcha. Yeah, yes. I, I see what you're saying, man. That makes sense. I didn't think so, about it like that. Yeah. And then with uh, like with Everest, right? So that that plexi plexi whatever it's made of that plastic like you know warped wall. Like, yeah. I found the ice bugs because of their studs. It doesn't grip as well because it's got like less surface area touching the wall. Versus like my road shoes or um, I have another pair of actual Under Armour trail shoes that are also don't have very good traction. But for that specific obstacle, like it grips pretty well because there's a lot of surface area touching the wall. I'm a huge proponent of ice bugs. They're by far my favorite. But I hear exactly what you're saying, something with a warp wall that might not be too smart. So here's my question to you. This proposes an interesting quandary. Savage Race. Did you watch this last Savage Race with Ryan Woods and Yuri Force going back-to-back, trading leads and with uh, Ken Corbiano uh, right right behind them? I did not. All I saw was uh, I think Jason Williams put up a video of the Twin Peaks fiasco. But yes, the is that where we're going with this? Fiasco. Yes, sir. That's exactly where I was going with that. So in a race, you think Savage Race, man? At least here in Texas, that is some like deep mud, uh, some high grass kind of terrain. Something I definitely want as much grip as I possibly can. I would definitely wear my ice bugs. But boy, would that suck on Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, hold on, let's put a little context to this. For those of you who might not know what we're talking about, in Savage Race, they have an obstacle 
imagine a you take two half pipes, or I guess it's let's say like a skateboarding half pipe. Is that what that's, that would be considered? Evan? Yeah, I mean it's it's a quarter pipe into a half pipe into a quarter pipe. Exactly. Indeed. So it looks like a it looks like an M kind of, right? Yeah. Like a lazy M. And and it, it's pretty it's pretty steep. This is not easy to get up. But here is the difficulty to it. Once you get up the first part, and you start to go down the initial the initial hill into the last ramp to go up and over, you're if you don't go all the way up, you're not allowed to turn around. You have to start back over. Now imagine running on that plastic or that wood. Actually, I believe it was wood. It looked pretty shiny. It didn't look like there was much traction on there. With with cleats, you know, with trail shoes. So that begs the question, what kind of shoe do you think would probably be best? I mean, because, man, for those of you who didn't see the video, my heart goes out to Ken Corleano. Because that poor guy, he came up over it. And when he came over the initial hill and he goes to run up the next ramp, he completely slipped. And you can hear his head hit the wood. Like, oh. they cut the video out right there. It was rough. I mean, like, you heard that, and you just cringe. And uh, even anytime you see Ken Corgliano and Ryan Woods stuck on something, hey, man, there's something wrong. Because those guys are absolutely amazing. And yeah. finally, what ended up happening, and I'm not trying to poo-poo on Savage Race here, because I'm a huge Savage Race fan. Please don't take it that way. It's an awesome series. Please go check them out. They're fantastic. But uh, they ended up having to nail two-by-fours across both sides. That way people would uh, be able to grab something and have a little more traction. But the entire female elite wave had to wait to finish the race with, like, one obstacle to go. Which I feel bad for them because the girls who were in first place or in podium contenders, all the other girls caught up to them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there's no, like, time penalty start stop for them. So there's there's so there's some strategies like that you think about. I don't know what 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 do you think of what kind of shoe would you wear with that man? I mean, um, it's one you didn't like. You couldn't predict that was going to happen ahead of time. So I mean, I probably would have shown up in my ice bugs because uh, that's what I typically wear for shorter OCRs that I know are going to be muddy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I knew, let's say let's say somehow I knew that was going to happen, that kind of backup and that uh, traction problems. Um, Again, I have a pair of Under Armour. Again, it's one of their, like, their attempt at trail shoes. So they have very, very mild lugs. So, again, not very good for okay. traction, but they do have is a tiny bit, but it's uh, it's more like an aggressive road shoe than a than Sounds an actual like trail shoe. I was describing. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I know, I know Ashley, one of my teammates, Ashley Samples, was there and was went from second to, like, she arrived that obstacle second and then came out like tenth. Uh, but you know, if if us as in, like consumers or athletes are always asking for new obstacles or obstacle innovation, right? Sometimes stuff like this is going to happen. So again, I, I agree. Like no no fault of Savage. Um, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to actually test this stuff without a full scale. You know, hundred hundreds of people running through the obstacle. You know, at full speed, max heart rate, covered in mud. So it's oh, yeah. Well, not to mention, too, dew point. Like, when they originally tested it, it could have been in the middle of the day, and, you know, okay, there's a lot more traction then, but then right. okay, dew point hits, and now you're getting moisture on the boards, and it adds a completely different variable to the equation. 
So. Right, and we we saw that at the World Championships this year on the the men's pro wave. We oh yes, the quarter pipe like in the first half mile, and you know what should have been a super easy obstacle because it was you know due and the sun hadn't dried out the obstacle yet. All of a sudden became like a huge backup. So you know? I only did the short course and the team challenge because I, ah. I, I that uh, well I'm sorry I say that but I ended up running half of it with a friend to help motivate him. <laughs> so I, I guess I did kind of run it, but I missed that part. Uh, I did not do that, that particular obstacle. I heard that there's actually people like kind of fighting with each other to get up it because everyone was stuck trying to take, everyone wanted their turn to try and get up it. And uh, even the, the girls, the girls came along, came up against the men, and they could, I guess eventually people found a way to just climb up the side of it. There's probably like just two guys or three guys that made it up without the the help of the side, right? Uh, it was more than that. I mean, like a cup, the first like five guys got over no problem because they had a good running start. And then what happened was the next couple failed, and then basically you know people started bunching up towards the the thing. So like instead of having a 15 foot running start, you now have a five foot running start. Um, so I got up it over this on my second try, but. I still had, like, so I went once, and then I had to, like, essentially get in line uh, to try to go again. And I know there were some guys who were, you know, may have been a little more aggressive, so maybe they, they went three or four times in the time it took me to go two. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not a good way to start off the race. Well, any, any no. time you have a, a friggin' half pipe, man, or I'm sorry, a quarter pipe on a hill, it, how, how much of a grade would you say that that hill was on? I want to say uh, it was 10 to 15 percent. I'm not sure. I mean, it's the side of a ski mountain, so you can you can kind of take that. You yeah. know, it's not a – we're not in the parking lot of the ski mountain. We're on the side of the mountain, so yeah, and take it for what it is. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, that's uh, – besides that, I mean, we already – we kind of mentioned OCRWC, a great race. I love Adrian. Love that, love that whole, that whole, uh, that whole event there. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't been out there, make sure you make it out there. And now we have all these uh, new acronyms. You like you like what I'm doing here, Evan. This is a good segue. This, I know okay. you, we want to, we want to talk. I know you know where I'm going with this. Want to talk yeah. about the they have the U.S. OCR Championships. We have OCR World Championships. Let's talk about what you want to talk about about the. Uh, well, I believe it's called the U.S. OCR Championships now, right? Are, are we talking about? The race put on by OCRWC, are we talking the Spartan? The Spartan, well, we say it's it's Spartan, but they're not allowed to be a uh, no, no, oh, sorry, no brand is allowed to be the official race. So yes. it's actually the international, what is it, I forget, uh, Robert Killian is on there, is on the head of the group along with Tim Sennett. Yep. Tim uh, Sennett's uh, Rose Wetzel's husband, for those of you who don't know, also known as Ray Sherpa. Yeah. Posted so, a lot online. But, yeah. yeah, so they're putting on this race, I believe it's in Miami, and it's kind of a qualifier to be uh, the qualifier for the U.S. Olympic team. Is that the way I'm understanding it, to have the chance to qualify for the the American uh, Yeah, I mean, I, team for the pentathlon? It's like a pentathlon with a laser I'm not so sure, and I'm not even so sure they are sure what their their kind of uh, their exact path is going to be. It's a, it's a um, course. I can tell you that it should be on Sunday. Here they don't know what time, 
but it will be it is a separate course than the than the Miami Sprint. Right. But is is there a an elite wave and an open wave or is it just one wave because they're all they're all trying to qualify for this national team? That's my question. You know what? I can't remember. I want to say I'm not sure if there'll be some sort of kind of qualifying loop or something for that. You'd imagine everyone would want to give it a try, huh? Yeah. So I mean, so I, I guess let's back up a little, right? So yeah. Um. So so Adrian uh, Bihanada, if I pronounce his name correctly, started OCRWC, and you know some of the criticism was like, well, what authority does he have to create a world championship? Um. But he made a he made a company, made a brand, um, and cr- created a world championship. Yeah, like I said, twelve countries showed up the first year, twenty three, then forty two. Um, so he's created, uh, you know, whether he had the authority to start one at the beginning or not, he has created enough buy-in where people think it's, people say it's legit, and I completely agree. It's 100% legitimate. I mean, when you have 42 countries that are flying in from around the world to race, that is a legitimate world championships in my book. Um, For me, too, it is the culmination of combining obstacles from all the different race venues into one race. And, and many people will disagree with me on this, but I I believe this is that that is the best way of getting a sample of each into the whole mixing pot. You know, it's making a big bowl of salsa. You've got a little right. bit of everything inside one, and it makes really tasty salsa. It tastes great. And now, great. Now I want salsa, Evan. Which is <laughs> salsa? I should have done this. I'm hungry. <laughs> But also, there's other people that also make the argument that, okay, well, world championships, well, then they need obstacles from South Africa and Denmark and Sweden and Europe and these other countries. But at the same time, it takes money to put on these events. The logistics is a great deal of difficulty, and it wouldn't make any cost sense to be able to get some of these obstacles from halfway across the world over to OCR World Championships, hence it being in Canada, where we can get a large number of obstacles from Canada and America. I'm not sure anyone were there from South of uh, South America or Central America, but that's yeah. interesting. But the but think- logistics you got to take into account with that, right? And that would make it if they could get some obstacles from, say, tough. Well, actually, you know, I'm sorry, they had Toughest Elite. The Dragon's Back was from Toughest Elite, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. Uh, I don't recall any other, but I mean, if if the companies from South Africa or from another country wanted to bring their obstacles or go over to America and then buy the product and build the obstacles, I'm sure Adrian would have no problem doing that. Oh, like I know, I know, conquer the gauntlet, stairway to heaven. Like David Mainprize and Brenna Calvert, like went up there and built that obstacle. Yeah, it was beautiful, by the way. That was the most... <laughs> Do you remember coming up to that? It's brand new wood, brand new hay underneath. There was something... Uh, maybe I'm just kind of sick, but I thought it was a beautiful obstacle. <laughs> it it was... Because it was so new, like, it was very grippy. Like, the wood hadn't been worn down, like the one at actual CTG races. Yeah. But I remember I remember grabbing it and being like, my hands are, like, stuck to this board. This is awesome. Yeah, I like this. Why don't we have these at the other CTG? <laughs> <laughs> Brenna, start making them every single every single race. We want brand new wood. <laughs> yeah, I've, entry costs will go up significantly. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, expensive. Anyway, we're anyway, we're getting off on a tangent, right? So so Adrian creates this so the thing the thing Adrian has done very well is one, he was the first one on the scene, right? He's the first one who said this is a non brand specific championship. Um and then the other thing he did was he created buy in, right? So like companies can advertise that their race is a qualifier for the championship. It gives them free ad- advertising for his race. It makes gives their brands more legitimacy. He lets them put an obstacle on their on the OCRWC course, which again, more advertising for that brand. So it's you know mutually beneficial. He only wants run one race a year, so you know everyone wants to support it. It's a great like it's, like we've talked about. It's such a big love fest. Um, and then again, first one to do it, right? Yeah. So, yeah exactly. so he also announced that they're doing uh, an American Championship this year. Again, first one to do that. So yep, excited about already it. already has legitimacy. Um, so I think the challenge this USA OCR faces is it's it's not the first, right? It's it's second. So it's going to be harder to convince people that your championship is more legitimate if you're second on the scene. You know, it's like if I said I'm going to start the Spartan race, no, like not Spartan race, but the Spartan race, like people would be like, well, that's not there already is a Spartan race, and be like, well, no, mine's more legitimate. You know, like people. No one would buy off on that because there's already one in existence. There's no way of quantifying it, right? Because OCR is very subjective like art in the way that it's in the eye of the beholder. The variables are so different. The obstacles are so different. How can someone come in for the Olympics and say, okay, this is the best way of identifying a great OCR athlete is by getting through this distance in this terrain with these specific obstacles? There's just, you know, it's subjective, man. Yeah. No one, no two people will always agree on the same amount. You and me are huge Conquer the Gauntlet fans. Look, I like Conquer the Gauntlet better than I do Spartan. But there is many people that will tell me you're you're crazy. And it, how do you how do you quantify what it brings that question? Okay, how do you prove what makes a great OCR athlete? What should that yeah. race look like? How do you even quantify that? I mean, I think what you, just like in track and swimming, there's multiple distances, multiple disciplines. I mean, I think OCR is, you know, already you've already started seeing it going this similar way. Like the there's a 3K championship at OCRWC. There's a 15K. Um, I would consider, you know, World's Toughest Mudder the ultra distance world championship. Well, whether they consider it that or not, uh, I would consider like Spartan Beast their world championship. I'd consider that the longer you know, obstacle course racing championships. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, I think there's room for everyone. Of course, I'm an I'm an optimist, and uh, you know, my bank account necessarily is not necessarily tied exactly to. Um, the allegiance. Yeah. Um, and I know. So like with the whole USA OCR, the the we're talking about the Spartan uh, kind of affiliated one. I think my issue with it was, one, you know, th- there's this organization, International Obstacle Course Racing Federation, that I've never heard of, uh, you know, and I'm fairly, I feel like I'm fairly tied in with obstacle course racing. So organization I've never heard of decides that this championship is the governing body, an, you know, another organization I've never heard of. Um, they said there was like a bidding process. No one I know can t- explain to me what companies bid for the race besides Spartan. Um it just it 
it, it seems like a front company for Spartan, to be honest with you. Um, okay. I hear you. Strong and shots fired. Yeah. I and <laughs> so, so he, here's the thing: if you know, if if jo, if Joe Descent and Spartan came out and were like, "Hey, we're the ones pushing for the Olympics. Um, we are have doing all the we're doing all the work. So guess what? We're the proponent, and we'll decide. You know, what's the Olympic quote unquote team? I would actually be like, okay, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, I'll I just give, feel like hey, I'll give Joe Descent this man. I'll give props where props are due. He was the first to talk about it and started initiating the whole process of getting it into the Olympics, which I, I would love to actually see that. I would like to see that happen and be further legitimized, but yeah. I, I just want to throw that in there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, uh, for, for like, for me, it seems like the, the initial, you know, readout of the whole thing was very like, oh, this was a, you know, a bidding process and, you know, we were selected and, picked above the other company, and it was like, I don't think there was a bidding process, to be honest with you, and I would have been happier if they were just, like I said, you were just like, hey, we did all the work to get it to this point, so we're we're taking lead. I would have been like, all right, well, I guess that's, that's actually seems fair to me if you're, if that's what you're saying. No, but, I, uh, I heard an interview. They won't let them do that. Joe, Joe Desen, I believe, wanted to do that, but on an ORM podcast, he is interviewing Tim Sennett about it, and he, and Tim Sennett talked about it, and they... They they will not let a brand uh, sponsor be the race, so Spartan is not like they can't do that. Uh, as per the International Olympic Federation, I'm sorry, I'm getting my acronyms confused. International Olympic Federation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. So I I, I guess time will tell, right? Um, yeah. No, we we all say OCRWC is legitimate because you know. It's not necessarily backed by anything. We just agree it's legitimate, just like money. Everyone agrees money's legitimate because it's legitimate, right? Yeah. Uh, there's no gold backing our dollar bill anymore. Um, so everyone says OCRWC is legitimate, so it is. Uh, I guess only time will tell if USA OCR becomes the legitimate, quote-unquote, governing body. Uh, my concern is I just don't – and maybe they have a better idea that we uh, they just haven't revealed yet, but I don't know how they'll create buy-in like Adrian did where – you know, it's advertising for both sides. Essentially, doesn't cost each side really anything. They're not competing with each other during the season for regular season races. Like this, uh, this tryouts is on April 30th, which is the same day as uh, one of the toughest mutters. I think it's one of the same days as one of the. It's like a day after one of the conquer the gauntlets. Um, oh, that's so. another thing we got to talk about, man. I so badly wish the race venues would stop doing that. Yeah, I'm so proud of uh, the main prize family, David, and the guys at Bonefrog, who both had, you know, Bonefrog, we talked about this on the last uh, Link Endurance podcast, but Bonefrog is mostly from the Northeast, and I've never done one, but I'd be excited to try them, and they're finally coming down to Texas, but it's on the same day that Conquer the Gauntlet was doing Austin, and Bonefrog was supposed to be in Austin as well. And I, I put a post on Facebook, I was like, you know, Bonefrog, please don't leave, we love you guys. But Conquer the Gauntlet owns our hearts down here, and I can't miss Conquer the Gauntlet. And so, and then they worked together, and they made a deal, and Conquer the Gauntlet moved their date to the end of the year, and Bonefrog is doing it now in Austin. And that kind of uh, kind of synergy, man, is fantastic, because now we get to do both races. But even this last weekend, Conquer the Gauntlet was at the same time Terrain in Fort Worth was happening. And there's, you're seeing more and more scheduling conflicts like that. I wish they were maybe working together more because it only makes 
financial sense for both companies as well. You know, even if you look at it from just a financial reason, you'll get more people if you do it on a weekend where there's no other races competing against you. Yeah. Now, and I, I know from seeing a little bit behind the scenes of Conquer the Gauntlet, I know that's that's a very real consideration. Uh, I also know that, you know, you take 52 weeks in the year, you know, there's only so many of them are that are usable. You know, already, you, you take out winter, there goes like half the weeks already, basically. Oh. And then you start taking out holidays and stuff like that, and there goes a bunch of the other weeks. And then, you know, depending on, like, I know the Conquer the Gauntlet series has one build crew, right? So they they're going from location to location, so they can't put on a race in Dallas on one day and put on a race in, you know... Um, Georgia the next. Georgia, or, yeah. 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 So it's, uh... Yeah. No, it's got... It, it, it makes a conundrum, man, but I really hope they get that fixed. I know they can only do so much, but I think the closer they work together... it You kind of wonder sometimes if some of the... Some of the ego... I could be totally wrong. I don't know this, okay? Please don't get mad at me. People don't start sending me messages. Um, but <laughs> I wonder if it, if maybe some race brands are like, no, our race brand is better than that. We'll get more people. And they and they go for it anyways, you know? Yeah. Uh, who knows I some be, of it? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, Excited. Before we, okay. before we straight too far off topic, let me just say, uh, like I said, with... Uh, kind of wrapping up the USA OCR thing. Like, I like Tim Sennett. I like Robert Killing, pretty much the only two names that are associated with that. Um, and I hope, you know, ho- hopefully it's something productive for the sport. Uh, I just, you know, I've, for those of us who've been around a while, we've seen some governing bodies try to be created in the past, and they just, they don't have enough, they don't create enough buy-in, and they, you know, they do stuff like, all right, well, charge me, you know, you pay money to me, to make me so I can make you a qualifier and like that's not going to help either like the the company's not going to pay and they don't want to be governed by someone outside of their company right so yeah. uh, I don't know what their plan is uh, I hope it works out I hope I hope we get into the Olympics hopefully this is step one of that um, but I don't know I'm a, I'm I tend to be pessimistic with a lot of stuff and see the bad and things uh, first so um, it seems like the pentathlon is not getting as much traction and attention and this is uh, that's why they have a little more interest in including uh, obstacle course racing into it you know I know they recently requested that some OCR pro OCR athletes try the pentathlon which I think only Robert Killian ended up doing which makes sense because that guy is great at everything yeah <laughs> there's really nothing he can't do so maybe it's a way of also bringing some attention to the pentathlon hell man if you look at the other sports and people are probably going to hate me for this, but there's some other what I consider boring sports in the Olympics. Uh, there's oh no, totally. There's the one totally. where they, they wave the flat the uh, what was it a color guard? They wave they wave the ribbon. It's r- rhythmic rhythmic gymnastics, right? It's, it's uh, dancing with a ribbon. Dancing with the ribbons. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. How is that? That's what that's what kills me. People are like. When we get into the Olympics, it'll bring legitimacy. I don't know what sport you're watching, but this is already legitimate. Like, yep. Let's look, like you said, let's look at some of the other legitimate sports in the Olympics. Like, yeah, when I think of legitimate sports, I think of ping pong. I think of rhythmic gymnastics. I think of uh, there's one equestrian. The speed. Yeah, speed walking, equestrian. I think it's called dressage. It's basically like horse dancing. Like that's an Olympic sport. 
You know, like, man, if only OCR could be as good as horse dancing. Yeah. I know, I know I'm probably going to get some equestrian, like, hate mail uh, after this, but... <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably more into OCR, dude. There is no one... In the, that would be awesome if there was someone equestrian that's just sitting there like, F these guys. I'm going to hear I think uh, I think Corinna Coffin's dad won uh, an Olympic medal for something having to do with the question. I could be wrong, but I feel like I feel fairly confident on that. I'd have to go actually uh, look it up. Someone's gonna but, sneak up behind me during a race and put me in the chokehold. So you don't like horses, huh? Huh? <laughs> but it's it just like right. you know, I hear all this stuff like, oh, it'll bring bring sponsors in. Like I don't know. Again, I don't know what sport you're watching, but there's there's already a ton of sponsors here. Um, Maybe not enough for most people to make a living off of, but it's enough to reduce the cost of racing or eliminate it. Um, That's growing, though, man. That's growing and growing at an exponential rate. I, I believe they will get to the point where the pro athletes are getting paid the way they deserve to be paid. It, you know, who also, before we move on, uh, who had a really strong opinion but an interesting view about it was uh, the R- Richard Diaz. He mentioned he thought that them bringing it into the Olympic sport would take the suffering out of it. And that is like the biggest factor inside OCR is that is that suffer factor, and that's a you know that's an interesting point because a lot of the sport is sometimes hey who can suffer more? Yes, yeah. athletes that are very comparable to each other, but and it's going to come down to who's trained more and who can suffer more. So it's just another yeah. interesting point of view. Yeah, and I think I mean if if it does make it to the Olympics, it'll be very. The Olympic version of OCR will be very standardized. It'll probably be on a track. It'll probably, you know, there'll be, here are the obstacles that are required, and there's no deviation. Um, you know, to me, if it's not called OCR when it's in the Olympics, it's almost, I don't know, to me, that's like a mute point. Like, I could argue that OCR is in the Olympics already. It's called steeplechase. You're running. You're jumping over things. There's water. Yeah. Like, that's a good that's, point. Touche, sir. Like, yeah, we're in the Olympics right Yeah, we call it steeplechase. So, like, if we make it in, it's called pentathlon. To me, that's like, I don't know. Well, we've never had laser inside a la- the laser gun target, whatever you call it. I'm sorry. Forget the name of it. Uh, but the laser gun thing in the middle of an obstacle. In any obstacle course race, besides when Spartan has been, uh, you know, kind of experimenting with the Olympic committee. I think they did it in one of their, like, the races they did on a military base. I think they did a laser gun there at one point. Yeah, Colorado. Uh, seemed pretty, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. So. And then, and then uh, the Dallas Stadium Sprint, they had the first ever trial run, which is super exciting to watch, man. We'll see uh, Michael Mark and Jack Bauer went at it, man. Jack Bauer is yep. super fast. He's a good friend of both of ours, I believe. Yeah, I stayed with him at uh, Houston My Chalet for OCRWC. Oh, Did you hear the people the story? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to go through that. That's, uh... <laughs> so that's another story. He, he yeah. did an interview on um, who did Jack get interviewed by? Jay Bodie, I believe, Overcome and Run. If you want to hear a hilarious story, Evan prepares. No, it was, it was the obstacle order. The obstacle order. The obstacle order, I'm sorry. Yeah, obstacle order. Of Evan prepares giving uh, <laughs> giving Jack Bauer and Matt Campion and a couple others a bad, a bad direction. A bad address. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, so I watched that. I remember watching that. Like there was like a Facebook video going around of that race, and there was like some commentators going on, like talking about Isaiah Vidal and I think it was like Michael Mark battling for one and two. Yeah. And then Jack Bauer, who's been like you know pacing himself, essentially comes out of like nowhere 
not really nowhere. He come, he's come, he's pretty close the whole time, but he comes out and like finishes second. And the the guy who was like recording the like the over the, the announcer for it was like, and there's a random redhead on the court. You know, it was just like, <laughs> like there's a redhead on the court, and he came in second. And it was like, who is that? You know, it's like, what? I was like, I know who that is. <laughs> it was just funny, like. You know, I I know Jack is you know he's a good racer, so uh, he's awesome. to me like it was it's not a surprise that you know he would do well, but the listening to the announcer was pretty funny. Yeah, so. he's awesome. That guy runs a sub fifteen five k man, he's blazing fast. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we'll be long. We've gone for like fifty minutes now. Um, Miles, I'm sure we could I'm sure we could talk pretty much all night. Running about our mouths about OCR. You and me are going to uh, talk all night during our race in, in Phoenix, man. I guess when we're not sleeping. But uh, yeah, maybe. We, yeah, so we we weren't we didn't even get to that. We were we were going to talk about the terrain race 24 hour, uh, which is a relay going on this Saturday. Uh, we're on a team together. We got two other guys yep, going to be representing. And Ryan. Oh man, Ryan, forgive me. I don't remember Ryan's last name. Yeah, the freaking thing. Um, he'll, he'll hit me in the middle of the race for it. But great guys out of Phoenix, man. And uh, we have an awesome crew. Big shout out to Samantha Polito, Chris's wife. We have nurses crewing for us. Like, you literally can't ask for a better crew. That is, that is crazy. We're going to have nurses crewing for us. That is, can you think of a better situation, man? No, that's pretty good. Masseuses um, too, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, terrain terrain relay twenty four hour. So uh, we'll do a in the next couple weeks. We'll do kind of a recap and um, maybe have some of the other guys in the show, and we'll talk about our experience at terrain Re- relay. Let's live. Uh, I'm ex- let's live stream some of it, man. You and me on our from our Facebook accounts. As we go throughout the night, we should live stream a little bit, and uh, so people can see what we're going through. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely do that. So uh, if you're listening to this, head over to the uh, Strength and Speed Facebook page. We'll uh, we'll live stream through that, or either me or Miles' personal page, and then share it to the Strength and Speed page. Um, but yeah, we'll cover some kind of our experience there. It's terrain relay or terrain races first 24 hour event. So um, I guess we'll see how it goes. I think it's 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 going to be challenging uh, for I know any any event that tries to put on a 24 hour event it turn, it's going to be challenging so um, I know I'm I'm approaching it with opt- optimism but you know understand there may be some challenges uh, going forth but uh, hopefully it's hopefully it's a good event hesitant and, uh, optimism is what we're calling yeah hesitant optimism. <laughs> that's that's perfect fortunately but, man, this is they're they've been uh, putting on races at this particular property for six years. So they have a lot of experience there, so I'm sure that will help as well. But like as of now, you know, there's there's no map, so it's hard to plan on stuff. So we're gonna have to strategize on the fly. It'll be really interesting. And then, unlike you're used to doing the 24 hour just by yourself, but now we have a relay where it's one guy in the course at a time. We'll see how we ended up, well, how we end up strategizing that and who runs when, right? Because I believe it's gonna be. The 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 ten k the six point two mile loop and not the three k and not three separate courses because at terrain this week I I asked all the great guys there all the great race directors big fan of terrain and they w- weren't sure exactly how they were going to uh, uh, to attack it so we'll see man 
optimism. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I think either way, we're going to have a good time because, again, uh, hanging out with a bunch of OCR people and running around in circles for the night, uh, just is a great time. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited, man. Can't wait to push ourselves. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of you, man. You're an awesome guy. I'm really proud to have you on the team and be able to work side by side with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me to be on the team. So yeah, man. And hey, uh, all you out there, you're watching the live stream, and you see me if I'm complaining or I'm down. You you can tell me the worst stuff. You tell don't don't let me stop. The miles you keep pushing, don't you be a wuss. You get up, you get back to it, and whatever you got to do, Evan. You, you hit me, push me. If I fall asleep or something like that. You deck me as hard as you want. Whatever it takes, man. You and me are going all out and we're going for the win. All right. Sounds good. So uh, kind of with that, uh, before we take off, Miles, any people, companies, uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Oh, man, yeah. Come come try out our Ninja Warrior Gym, man, and uh, Obstacle Warriors in Dallas, Texas. They sponsor me. And they're a fantastic gym. Great for uh, if you want to experience something a little different than obstacle course racing and Try a ninja world. Visit your local ninja gym, and that's a great way to practice for obstacle course racing. And then, of course, check out go to linkendurance.com and uh, you know offer all kinds of different training packages and training events, OCR clinics, and the, the race simulations, especially here in Texas. Well, only here in Texas. <laughs> but uh, but if you need any training advice or anything like that, Coach Mo is really good about that. And I love to help people. Hit me up, man. Find me on Facebook. Send me an. Uh, a friend request, and you can hit me up anytime you want because I love to talk. I'm a chatty Kathy, if you couldn't tell. So, <laughs> but thanks, thanks for having me on, Evan. Man, I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to what I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode. The episode is brought to you by Hammer Nutrition. So uh, we'll be first since I'm endurance racing this weekend. I'll be definitely consuming a lot of their products, specifically Perpetuum, uh, carb protein fat mix, and some gels. So if anyone wants some Hammer Nutrition products, head over to HammerNutrition.com and use referral code 240-887, and that gives you 15% off. There's also links all over my Facebook page and the TeamStrengthSpeed.com website for that 15% off code, too, if you can't remember that number. Oh, hey, also something I want to throw in there for you. Uh, Once again, Evan's a humble guy. He probably doesn't mention this very much, but he's a great writer, and he's a great athlete. He wrote a fantastic book about OCR training and how you can train for OCR. The guy has a lot of experience and he knows what he's talking about. Uh, give his book a, 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 a look. Give it a, buy, a, buy a copy. It's really good. What was the exact name of it again so people can find it, Evan? The Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing. Nice. Where can people and, find uh, it? It's available off my website, teamstrengthspeed.com. So uh, okay. head over to there. I prefer it if you buy it off there. Uh, but... You, sometimes you can find it at, like, Barnes & Nobles. It uh, depends on... I've seen it at some stores. So other ones don't carry it. I'm going to see that guy. I'm going to go in Barnes & Nobles and just read it and there and not buy it. What do you think about that? Uh, well, you have to find one where it's at first. <laughs> if you could go to... Ev- if you're listening to this, go to... Everyone go to Barnes & Nobles or Books A Million by your house and request that they buy that book. Like, they, they order that book so they stock it. That would help me out. Yeah, I'm going to so, go in there and be like, what What do you mean you don't have it? You've never heard of Paris? <laughs> A uh, good day, sir. <laughs> well, uh, I said good day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good plan. I like that. Like it. <laughs> uh, so, or, yeah, d- 
I, yeah, I'd appreciate if you pick up that book. Uh, I know I know how many people download the podcast, so I know I also know how many books I've sold, and they are not equal right now. So uh, tighten up, people. Yeah, <laughs> let's pull ourselves together. Yeah, <laughs> if you're serious about training, definitely head over and pick that up. Uh, it's got some great interviews in there too. I think I honestly think the interviews at the back are worth the price of the book alone, um, or the training plans are worth the price of the book alone. But I put a I put a lot in there. Uh, you're not going to find more. You're not going to find better information for $15. Like, it just doesn't – it doesn't exist. Um, you know, the the amount of content in there and the, the – I know there's other OCR books out there, but if you're looking to run in the competitive or elite wave and or you're looking to get a faster time, the other books are not – that are currently out that I've seen are not going to provide you with the same quality or content. The other ones are a little more general like, hey, if you're interested in running your first OCR, here's some – general things you can do, some push-ups and some sit-ups and go jog occasionally. Whereas mine's like, here's a eight-week training plan for like doing well at a Warrior Dash, or here's a 16-week training plan for doing well at World's Toughest Motor. So. And if you guys if you guys have a commitment and a goal this year, hit us up, send it to us, and make a commitment on social media. Say, hey, you know, this year I'm going to make it through Pegatron, or this time I'm going to get on the podium, or Something along those lines. If you have a goal, hit us up, make it public. We'll help try and keep you to it. Go get it. True. True. There's also we just started a CTG Elite Athletes Facebook group. So um, if you plan on running and conquer the gauntlet in the that first wave of the day, uh, ask to join the group or you know invite your friends who are already in the group to join. And uh, it's just a kind of a central location to ask questions and. You know, give the race director and build crew feedback on you know what you like or disliked about the course. So yeah, you're looking at you probably don't want to join that group because I post way too much in the first day. <laughs> yeah, it's only been active for like literally. Like I created it last night, and uh, you have posted several times. Yeah, I posted like three times already. <laughs> Ooh, CPG protein. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Miles. Uh, let's get going. I got I still got a shower after the gym and. Uh, Hang out with my daughter. So, Death, brother. It's been great. It's been great talking to you. I will see you this weekend. And uh, that's it from the Strength and Speed Podcast. Let's go. Let's go.